Hi, how can I help you today? Hi, I can't seem to leave a wink for someone. Okay, uh, I'm looking at your profile. You left a lot of this stuff blank. Well, I haven't really been anywhere noteworthy or mentionable. Have you, have you done anything noteworthy, mentionable? We have ahead of us the privilege of publishing the very last issue of Life magazine. Jumping up and down the floor. And for the final issue, we just received negative 25 from Sean O'Connell for the cover. It's 25. It's not there. I know. Look what I found! What's that? Travel journal dad gave me. The sun was an okay guy. Hey. They had a hey. How was your weekend? Awesome weekend. The ice, Jace. She moves like a woman. I'd like to climb your hair. Oh, wow. What is it you call it when he goes into one of his little places? Oh, zoned out. You do that now and then. What's the matter? I lost a picture of it. I like mysteries. You should go. Crack the case. You were Sean's partner. He finishes work. Keep this short. I have to make oxygen choices. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, it's a pretty cool movie, and uh, it's one of my favourite movies, to be honest. And I'll talk a bit about it today. If you've seen it, um, I do recommend it. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. If you um, have seen it, you'll yeah yeah you'll find some of um, the analogies I make interesting as well. So. Uh, friends, let's, let's uh, pray and, um, before we open God's Word together. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to be together, to encourage each other, uh, to learn from your Word, to grow in our love for you and for each other. And Lord, we pray that you'd speak to us today through your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, Walter Mitty is just an average guy. If you remember, the, if you've seen the movie, if you haven't, don't worry, you've seen that, that's probably enough. He's an average guy. Did you note that he's done nothing noteworthy or mentionable? Did you catch that? Each day he goes to work, catches the train, he gets on with it. Nothing special, nothing famous, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing to write home about. But he dreams. He dreams 
Uh, he wishes he could be. He wishes he could, he could be attractive. I, I love the scene where, where he's, he's imagining himself as this ice climber and bashes through the window and he sees this, uh, this girl he's trying to impress and, you know, the ice. Was, what's the line? That the ice, she moves like a woman. <laughs> it is funny. Um, he wishes he could be attractive, adventurous, talented. He wishes he could be noticed even. If he was those things, he'd feel valued, he'd feel recognised, he'd even feel loved. In a similar way, this is a trap sometimes we, if you're a follower of Jesus, that we fall into. We feel we need to be known, we need to be recognised, because that's where the bar is set. Uh, I wish I could have that guy's faith. Oh, I wish I could be the, like the guy up the front who leads services and does this or that. Or I wish I could be the guy who's got his own podcasts. <laughs> He's done plenty that's noteworthy and mentionable. He has over 3,000 followers on Facebook. And often then we feel a bit disheartened and discouraged because we're not that guy or girl. In fact, we even feel a bit dissatisfied in our service to God. But should we be? That's the question. And what does God value anyway? So, we're going to open our Bibles again. If you've closed them, have them open to 1 Kings 18. Very important. And have your, uh, have your outline there. That'll help too. You know where we're up to and you might want to jot some things down. And let's pick up things where we left with this tale of two thrones. It's epic tale. And we turn to 1 Kings 18, verse 1. Verse 1 brings good news. Not only does God speak, but the drought will be broken. So after a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. So it was the third year of the drought and it was severe in Samaria. Now that's a very strong word in the Hebrew. That's about as strong as it can get in terms of this is really, really bad. People were starving, people were dying, people were desperate. It was severe and so what have, the, what have the, the, the Baals done then? Weren't, the, the Baal, weren't they the fertility gods? Weren't they the gods of life and growing stuff? <laughs> what had they done? What have they had come up with? What have they come up with then? Nothing. Not a drop. No dew, no rain, bad press for the Baals and their alleged fertility. But now the true and living God had determined to send rain again. But not just yet. See, if God turned on the hoses now, if he opened the heavens, and well, people would just come out swinging for the bowels again. The fertility gods, ah, they've been recovered. All good. The, the bowels have been rejuvenated. No, 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 you see, a showdown was needed. A God contest was needed. Something public, something clear, 
something de- decisive, something prime time to discredit and humiliate the Baals. It needed to be so clear that no one in their right mind would think that the rain did not come from the true and living God. But that's next week. So, <laughs> in the meantime, we meet a man named Obadiah. Now, Obadiah, and, and probably not the Obadiah that we read about in, in the Old Testament and a few, well, a number of books later on, probably not the prophet Obadiah. This Obadiah, and there's, there's quite a few Obadiahs in the Bible actually, but this Obadiah is Mr. Average. Uh, he's the palace administrator. He's a pen pusher. That's what he does. But he's a devout believer in the Lord. So here in the heart of this evil king's empire where Satan's throne is worshipped, this believer, we find this believer, hope in the midst of evil, perhaps. So as we continue to read this chapter through, we need to ask this important question. Why is Obadiah mentioned? What's he doing here? What did the writer of 1 Kings, why did he put Obadiah, why, why, almost half a chapter, uh, 15 or whatever it is, verses, 13 verses, given space to Obadiah? We need to ask that question, don't we? Well, verse 4 indicates that he's a faithful man. He's a devout believer. His activity is the fruit of his faith. So under the cover of his position, unobtrusively and quietly, he goes about defending the word of God, even at the risk of his own life. Have a look in your Bibles at verse 4. I think I put it up on the screen as well. I did. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets... Again, a bit of a taste about how bad this Jezebel is. Jezebel hunted down those who spoke the word of God, those who were devout followers, the prophets, those who spoke the word of God. Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them in two caves, 50 in each, and had supplied them with food and water. Obadiah's work is a quiet monument to Jezebel's failure. Well, Obadiah is given a job. See in verse 5? As the drought was severe, he's told to go throughout the land and find sources of food and water for the animals so as they would not need to kill any of them. Well, that would be a waste of money. That would be expensive. Now, already we note something very different, something interesting about Obadiah in comparison with Ahab. You see, Ahab and typical of kings and and governments, Uh, for him the economy is everything. Uh, He didn't want to waste resources, so he sends Obadiah out. But for Obadiah, see, in verse 4, his interest is the word of the Lord. His interest is the Lord himself um, and the Lord's people. Well, on his way, Obadiah meets... Israel's most wanted man, the man that King Ahab blamed for the drought, the great mouthpiece of the Lord, the legend. Here he is. This is the guy that people say, Oh, I wish I could be like Elijah. Here is the noteworthy and mentionable prophet Elijah. Obadiah falls to the ground. 
Is it really you? Met met someone that you just looked up to? Ever met someone who... It'd be like me meeting Bono, okay? Lead singer of you two. I hope you've heard of them. If you haven't, you should be embarrassed. Um, What would I do if I met Bono? I don't know. I think Michelle tells a great story of meeting Bono. Um, You can ask her to share it later on, but she couldn't speak. She just... Is that about right? Yeah. What would you do? Well, he falls to his knees. And he, and he falls to the ground, I should say, is it really you, my Lord Elijah? Yes. Yes, it is. But immediately, <laughs> almost immediately, it seems, he sends Obadiah on his way and back to King Ahab with a simple message to bring King Ahab, or a message to bring to King Ahab, Elijah is here. Come get me. <laughs> That's the message. Uh, but Obadiah's worried. Fear sets in. Uh, slow down just a little bit here, uh, uh, Elijah. This is easy for you to say. It's not easy to do. This is like a death sentence. It's a huge risk. See, Obadiah didn't, he didn't like this deal one little bit. What if the Spirit of the Lord, see verse 12, what if the Spirit of the Lord carried Elijah somewhere else when Ahab came to the spot where he was meant to be and Elijah was missing? It'll be lights out for Obadiah. That'll be it. Verse 10 actually tells us a few uh, verses back that it was not, there was not a nation or kingdom where Ahab had not sent someone out looking for Elijah, Israel's most wanted man. And if you claimed that you have seen him, you'd better be sure. Well, in his fear and cautiousness... Was Obadiah doubting God's word? Was Obadiah doubting the Lord's prophet, God's mouthpiece? Looks like it, doesn't it? But imagine that, a servant of the Lord who prefers not to die. Is that so strange? But Elijah said in verse 15... As the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. Let's skip a bit to verse 16. We didn't read this bit. Have a look at it. Verse 16. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Obadiah was safe, just as Elijah had promised. So, what do we make of Obadiah? Interesting character. Well, he's no Elijah, is he? He's no Elijah. But that's okay. That's okay. Elijah is bold. We're on point two in the outline, by the way. Elijah is bold. He's confrontational. He's intrusive. He's very public. He's in your face. He's raw. He's a legend. He's Elijah. But Obadiah, he's behind the scenes. He's doing his bit. He's peaceful. He's cautious. He's fearful. If you'll allow me just for a moment, let me use a sporting analogy. Okay? Uh, Elijah is the fly half in rugby. Now, if you've got no idea, don't worry, because you'll get this anyway. 
He leads and directs. Stay with me, I promise. I know some of you are doubting me right now. Um, he calls the shots. That's what he does. He directs the game in some ways. He's the most recognisable. He's probably the captain of the team. The fly half. You've learned something about rugby already, haven't you? There you go. Obadiah, he's the second row. Now, the second row, he spends most of his time, or the lock, if you want to use a more um, up-to-date version. He's the guy who spends most of his life in the game, hidden away, head down, bum up, toiling away. And now and then he gets to touch the ball. It's pretty exciting. Um, he makes his tackles. And when his name is called out, sometimes people pause and go, oh, now who's that again? That's Obadiah. We could put it this way. Elijah is the lead in the musical. <laughs> and Obadiah is in the chorus. I could have just said that, said that from the start, couldn't I? But that's okay. Indeed, you see, that's okay. That's fine. In fact, it's all part of God's doing. Obadiah is just an average guy. Nothing noteworthy or mentionable. Yet what comes across loud and clear in 1 Kings 18 is his faithfulness. His faithfulness to the Word of God. His faithfulness to the true and living God. His trust. His trust in God. In fact, you know what? I've found three things that are noteworthy and mentionable about Obadiah. You'll find them on your outline. Here's the first one. Maybe you've found some more. Here's the first one. You see, Obadiah demonstrates faithful commitment. See verse 12? Verse 12 tells us that he's worshipped the Lord since his youth. He's a stayer. He's kept at it. And it's been tough. It's been tough to serve in this evil king's empire. It's been tough to be a pen pusher and have a terrible boss like King Ahab. His commitment has been lifelong. Following Jesus, the Apostle Paul, you see, says, it's, following Jesus is about finishing the race. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's no point if you get to the 30k mark and you don't finish. There's no point in that, Paul says. Obadiah's secret rescue of the Lord's prophets, uh, those 100 in the two caves, his protection and the commitment of the word of God demonstrate that this commitment was not merely words it was action it was real faithfulness real trust it's real commitment second Obadiah demonstrates faithful courage it took guts to do what Obadiah did he didn't need to be told what would happen to him if his plan to rescue the prophets went sour and, and he was found out. It took courage to front up to King Ahab and say to his master, Elijah is here. He needed to trust in God's sovereign word through his servant Elijah. He needed to trust that even though the stakes were high, the Lord was with him. He needed to trust that even though this could go very badly, God had it under control. Being faithful to the throne of God was what really mattered to Obadiah. It takes courage to talk about Jesus. 
It takes courage not to shrink back, as Hebrews says, even when ridicule and the threat of being a social outcast is very real. It takes courage to say to God and to be faithful. I want to be faithful to you and to say to God, you're more important than being popular. It takes courage to do that. But Obadiah was still scared, wasn't he? So third, Obadiah demonstrates faithful fear, faithful commitment, faithful courage, and what I've called faithful fear. He was not fearless, like some suicidal maniac. He's just an average servant of God. He didn't want to die. He was scared. But even in his fear, he trusted in the word of the Lord. Faithful fear. Sometimes making disciples is scary. Uh, sometimes being part of a growing church is a little bit scary or just a little bit uncomfortable. More people we don't know, more people to welcome, and, and, and more to make sure they feel loved. Doing God's work sometimes can be a little bit scary. Sharing the gospel, talking about Jesus, can sometimes be frightening stuff. Um, I remember a time when, as a student minister back in 2001, I worked on the chaplaincy team at Long Bay Jail, uh, uh, Long Bay Correctional Centre, it's the proper term, and I worked as part of a team. I spent eight, eight or nine hours on one particular day, one day a week. We worked in the drug and alcohol unit, uh, we worked in maximum security, uh, we worked in minimum security, we worked, uh, the, probably the toughest ward of all was the psych ward, the psychiatric ward, maximum security, psychiatric patients. Um, everything you think of, yes, that was there. Uh, I wore an alarm, um, I was told that security was around, somewhere, uh, thanks. If I needed it, just press the button and they'll come. Um, one day as I entered this particular psych ward area, there was a garden and so forth and some trees and so on. I had my guitar with me, as I always do, and I had my Bible. There we go, my two weapons. And I was set upon by this guy. Uh, he was clearly off his meds. He was very scary. And uh, he swore at me. He got right in my face. In fact, he really jumped out of nowhere. That's my memory of it. He was threatening, he was intimidating to say the least. And, um, but before I knew it, I was being protected by at least 10 other inmates who jumped to my defence. Uh, it was very sweet and, and really quite, it was great. Uh, in the end, that guy became a Christian um, a number of weeks later. Uh, medicine is a truly wonderful gift from God. And um, he just couldn't think straight that day. But when he had his medicine, he heard the gospel and he kept coming to chapel um, well, as long as I was there for the next, next year. Sharing the gospel isn't always this scary. <laughs> but sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. Uh, being part of a growing church, uh, as I said, sometimes is scary. Uh, sometimes mission is scary, but not always. Sometimes uh, meeting new people, they find that terrifying. Loving people can be plain hard work. Forgiveness can be scary. 
But all these we're, we're called to by God's word. Aren't we? All of these. So Obadiah's example tells us that faithful fear with action is just fine. Because, friends, faithfulness comes in a variety of flavours. And that's okay. In fact, no, no, more than that. It's not just okay. That's God's design for his church. As 1 Corinthians 12 says, Kim read it to us just a few moments ago, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. See, faithfulness comes in standard chocolate. Faithfulness comes in banana, baseball nut. Now, I'm reading off the Baskin and Robbins website. That's all I could go with. I've never tried baseball nut. It sounds interesting, to say the least. Uh, cookies and cream. Faithfulness comes in gold medal ribbon. It comes in green tea. That sounds awful. Anyway, um, I think you're getting the point. It comes in rocky road. Uh, <laughs> Let's not accuse each other of being Rocky Road at the end, okay? That would miss the point. Um, <laughs> the encouraging and heartening news for us today, and I love it, to be honest, I really do, is that just like ice cream has many flavours, faithfulness is not so boring that it only comes in one flavour. I think that's just wonderful. Don't you? I think it is. Friends, we're never called to great works, you won't find that in the Bible. We're never called to be noteworthy and mentionable. But we're simply called to good works. That's what we're called to. Ephesians 2 verse 10. We're called not to flamboyant ministry, but to faithful service. That's what we're called to. Not to be dynamic, but devoted. Simply faithful in the sphere God has placed you. So faithful to God and his word at work. Faithful to God and his word with friends. Faithful at church. Faithful at school. Faithful on the sporting field. Faithful when under pressure not to be. It'll take commitment. It'll take courage. Sometimes it'll be scary. But as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, as Elijah said, his promises are sure and trustworthy. So let's ask God for some help. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the encouraging uh, message it is. We thank you for the example of Obadiah. Um, Lord, we, we pray that we would be faithful. We would trust you. Um, Lord, help us to encourage each other in our faithfulness as we serve each other and we serve you, whether it's at church or whether it's at work or, or wherever, wherever it might be. Lord, we, we pray that you would uh, give us that faithfulness uh, that we see in Obadiah and that we see in Elijah as well. And Lord, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that Lord, we can know you and that we can trust you and that we can know that indeed, as Elijah said, you live and your word 
is sure and certain and your promises are as well. And we thank you uh, for that today. In Jesus' name, amen.